and welcome him into our hearts, our minds, into all of what is to come that we can just lay it down and say, God, we're just going to focus on you. No matter the 15 million things that are happening in the church or this week, this time, it's me and you, Jesus, and I'm worshiping with the body of Christ, and that's a powerful, powerful time together. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you, God. Oh, your will and your way performed in this house, Jesus. We want to flow with you. We want to flow with you. And we want to see what you have in your heart for us. Amen. I was hopeless. I knew I was lost. Dead and darkness were my only source. I needed someone to come and rescue me. Let's Your mercy did for me. You take the beauty for my 
nothing external in your life. He loves us so much that I encourage you to say, have at it, Jesus. You have full access. Even the things I love and hold to, even the things that fulfill me right now, here you go. Because he knows how to fulfill and change a life like no one else. You have not lived until you have lived under the power and anointing of God. Praise God. I encourage you today to say, Jesus, have at it. I'm going to move with you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. It's in this way it hasn't possible.
If you brought your Bibles, if you'll turn to 2 Timothy 4, 
be able to follow along on the screen. I want to ask you again to keep Karen Dupree and her family in prayer this week. The services for Tony will be on Wednesday, and once they get posted, we'll let everybody know. Uh, I think everything is coming out today. I know it's going to be over here at Gerhardt at 11 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, viewing an hour before. And uh, just uh, keep them all in your prayers uh, this week. Amen. I, I, before we get into the word of the Lord, to try to catch some of you up on the last couple of weeks, um, God, I feel, led me to declare in this local assembly that we were entering a boot camp type experience. And I couldn't really pinpoint the service because God's been doing kind of what we're feeling today. He's been doing this now for a while. And I don't take that for granted, by the way. I'm very thankful. But I couldn't really pinpoint it until I started looking back and he gave me some very specific messages and we've started to preach those three weeks ago. This is week number four. And uh, I started doing the math because I declared to you as well and uh, you're just going to have to trust me that this just, all did, this just all kind of fell into place in my lap this week and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, but there are seven Sundays until Labor Day starting with three weeks ago when I did it, when I started. <clears throat> Labor Day is the 8th. The following weekend is Pastor Super. And I declared to you before I ever did the math that Pastor Super was coming not to be a culmination of what we were doing, but to be the beginning of the next thing for this church. And uh, I know what that is now. I've been telling you for three weeks, I didn't know what God was doing. And I didn't have a layout, I didn't have a plan. I'll just tell you, he's, he's revealed some of that plan to me. And I, I need to share some of it before I get into the words so you understand where I'm going. Now, I almost blew it this week. But my wife told me to bite my tongue. Because I'm so excited about what God is planting in my spirit to preach on Sunday, I wanted to share it in the car. She said, you can't tell me. And so I bit my tongue and I didn't tell her. Because as we've shared with you, we don't talk about what the service is going to be because we don't want to plan the music and the message together. We want God to do the planning. But I'll just tell you, the last song is the song for the message today. And you're going to hear that in just a minute. But I got to Grace College on Thursday night and we began to teach out of John chapter 11. And there is a passage of scripture in there uh, and I'm going to turn over to it that says I don't even remember which verse it actually was but Jesus comes to Martha uh, when Lazarus has died and Jesus says your brother's going to rise again she says I know he's going to rise at the last day and Jesus said I'm the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Now, you're an amen and you don't even know what I'm going to say yet. I began to teach in this class on Thursday, and I made a declarative statement that our eternal life, we never die again, 
when we're born again or born from above. In other words, today, you and I are eternal beings. Which means if we are eternal, we are not totally and completely restricted to time. We are both eternal and temporal. So we can, by faith, reach into that which is yet to come and bring it back into today. That's what living eternally is. Bring that which is in heaven and that which is eternal and seeing it manifest in our presence today. And so as I began to say that, and, and, and I was teaching this, and, and, and we had a great class, and then afterwards, a student raised her hand and said, um, can you come back and talk about that a little bit? And when she asked that question, it hit me like right between my eyes. Because she wanted to have more direction. She wanted to know what that meant to be living uh, as an eternal being. And, I, and it hit me right as she did it. As she asked it, it hit me. I've been preaching it for three weeks now. And in that moment of time, in the middle of that class, or actually the end of that class, at the end of that class, God gave me a revelation. And that is simply this. What he is getting ready to lead this church into is to become an eternal-based church that lives by kingdom principles. Now, we like to think we've been kingdom-minded, but this is on a whole new level and a whole new dimension, something we've not seen or experienced yet. But in order for us to be ready for that, we've got to deal with some things that I've been preaching about and teaching about. And so three weeks ago, we started this. And I won't put anybody on the spot because you're on video. But we preached a message of casting things at his feet. And we passed out a piece of paper to everybody that was here. And they wrote down what they wanted to surrender to God. And they crumpled it up and they threw it on here. We left it on here for a couple of weeks even because we needed to deal with it the following week. And so that first week we dealt with the concept of surrender. You can't operate in the kingdom unless you're surrendered to him. If you're trying to hold on to your junk, you don't have room to hold on to his stuff. And his stuff is better, so I'm not let go of the junk. Then two weeks ago... We preached a message that we did not put out online because it, I just felt like it wasn't for those that were online. I'm working on making it private so those of you that weren't here can access it. I'll get to that hopefully this week. But we preached on submission, on wives and husbands being in submission, of the church being in submission to one another. Because until we're submitted to one another and to God, we cannot resist the devil. It's the prerequisite to resisting the devil. And then last week, we spoke on what are you looking at? Because where your eyes are looking is where you're going to go. So it brings us to today. Number four. And I just so happened to figure out that all seven messages leading up to Pastor Super all start with the letter S. Surrender, submission, sight, and today is sound. What are you listening to? Or more importantly, what are you hearing? So I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Just because I like the guy. And uh, Paul is writing to him and letting him know some things. And I just want to read before we go to what I have Elena have on the screen. 
the chapter before gives a description of what the last days are going to be like. It says this, Timothy, you should know this, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And then he tells Timothy, stay away from those people. Can I just tell you that's a pretty accurate picture of 2021. And so the following chapter in verse number 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this to Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. When he appears to set up his, I know that's talking in future where the kingdom actually gets set up, but there are spiritual principles that are going to be pulled from the word of God and applied to us that will literally come to pass in the future. I believe that Jesus is trying to set his kingdom up and he is wanting us to be the, the ones that he uses in order to do so. I know there's other churches and there's other groups and that's up to their pastor and what they're doing. That's up to them and God. But as far as Spirit of Grace Church, I believe that he is calling us to be a kingdom church. Yeah. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Just on the side. You have a member of this church that released me last night on Facebook to get into your business. <laughs> Darius posted, I hope Pastor Tim and Trish open up the word today. And, and I responded, well, it's business time. <laughs> Verse number three, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound doctrine and wholesome teaching. They'll no longer listen. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And so my question and the challenge that God has placed in this church for this day and in this boot camp season, getting ready for what becomes of us as a kingdom church, God is asking you, what are you listening to? It's one thing to look unto Jesus, but what are you hearing? I, I, I tried to find scripture to back up my point, but then I realized I'd have to read most of the Bible today. Because as I began to do some research, the word hear, hears, heard, hearken, listen, those five are mentioned 1,655 times in Scripture. Do you think that God has some importance about what we're hearing and listening to? And I believe that because of that, 
over and over, if you read, in fact, if you read Revelations chapter 2 and 3, nine separate times, I believe it is, or seven separate times, that he says this, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I think it's important today that you and I pause in the busyness of our life and stop the chaos that's going on and begin to attune our ears to what saith the Lord. What is his spirit speaking to us? What, is, what sound are you hearing? Because sometimes what we hear, we're going to hear prior to what we see. And if we're not hearing it, by the time we see it, we've missed it because we haven't heard it first. Here's how I know. How many have ever been driving down the street and all of a sudden you see bright lights flashing in your mirror and you're freaked out because you didn't hear the siren? If you would have heard the siren, you would have been paying attention around you to see which way the policeman, the fireman, or the ambulance was going. And it just happened to us on the way to church. I had picked my mother-in-law up. We were on our way back. And an ambulance was heading, I'm sure, to Mercy Hospital, but he didn't have the sirens on. Luckily, he was coming my direction, so I could see him, because if he was behind me, I probably would have never noticed him until he was right up on top of me. Because our ears are what hears before our eyes sometimes see. Now, see, I preached last week, what are you looking at? And I believe that. I believe what we're looking at is very important. And these kind of go hand in hand. Sometimes we see things before we hear, but oftentimes we hear things before we see them. I live with a woman who has bionic hearing. We can have a stereo going, a TV going, a vacuum going, and she's going to hear a cricket on the outside of the house wondering what it is. I, I, there's something about the concept of hearing. And so I began to do a little bit of research. Do you know that you actually don't hear with the ear? You hear with the brain. The ear is simply the instrument to get a sound wave from one place to another place. And it's the brain that deciphers and breaks down and figures out what all of the sounds are. And so your brain, you end up learning the sounds that you're hearing. But if you're never hearing the sound, your brain can't, dis can't dissect or can't uh, interpret what is being said. And so there's three parts to an ear. There is the outer part. Us Sanders have been blessed with a life-sized outer part here. And if you saw my grandpa, you'd know what I'm talking about. But it may, it's made up of your ear, and then just that little bit of a canal that goes down to where the eardrum meets. And here's the thing. Your ears are fashioned for a reason. They're fashioned like a, a, one of the uh, satellite dishes out there. You pick up on things that go around. And, and some of you are, are sitting in different places today. Some of you forgot, so my wife cheated and started spreading the word to remind you. But the reason why I asked you to sit somewhere else is because depending on where you sit, you hear things differently. It's a different sight line. I've missed, the person that I've messed up the most 
Because she's trying to take attendance back there, and she knows she can go all the way over here and hit the whole Wyatt, Vesterby, Bertelson clan over here, and then Dennis and Alicia are usually, you messed up, they're usually sitting right there, and then and then all the way across and over here, you know they're ready to tear her in the second, and the Holtz are right up here in the front, and Dave and them are back here, and so she can just sit right down. She's back there looking and scanning and everything. But when you get to a different position, you hear things differently. Can I tell you, if the sound system is too loud, it's probably because you're sitting in the wrong spot. Come and sit right here where this dear brother sits. It's not too loud right down here because the sound is coming out on the backside, and so he's just getting a little bit. It's a little bit clearer than up here, but over here. If, so when I'm running sound, that's one reason why I walk back and forth, and I listen over here, and I listen over here, because I want it to be as balanced across the, the sanctuary. But if it's too loud for you, move closer. Come and join me. <laughs> And for some of you, I really challenge you for, because we hardly have any monitor for me up here. For the singers, there's probably a decent amount of monitor. I'm here in the echo up here. You sit up here and, and you won't hardly understand what I'm saying. Because you're not sitting in the same spot. See, in order for us to hear what thus says the word of the Lord or the spirit of the Lord, sometimes we have to reposition our being so that we can hear what he's trying to say. <laughs> I didn't plan that. <laughs> Sometimes we have to get to a place where the sound is caught. And then what it does is it goes into our ear canal. Ear, ear canal. And there's two or three small bones, the smallest bones in our body, just on the inside of our ear, and they start to rattle. And when they start to rattle, they activate inside what's called the cochlear uh, organ inside of our ear. And inside that ear, there's liquid. And when the hammers start, or the, it's, one of them is a hammer bone. And there's something else, an anvil and something, or they call it three different bones. When they start rattling, they start moving the water that's inside the cochlear part of the ear. And as that water starts swishing around, it's messing with the nerves that go to the brain, and the brain deciphers what you can't tell me that there's not a creator. Because some of you are looking at me like I've lost my mind. I went to the internet. There we go. And so, and so as I'm reading this and realizing this, we have been talking about laying aside the weight of sin and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. And we have mentioned Romans chapter 12, be renewed or be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's all in our heads. It's in the way we think. It's the way we perceive. It's the way we respond. And can I say this? As your sound is reaching your mind, what are you hearing? Because there are some things that will try to be distorted. And as it's distorted, it will cause confusion. Can I just say this? Some of you have struggled in your walk with God, not because you're a bad person, not because you keep messing up, but because you're not hearing clearly. And God has sent this pastor to tell you, 
you today, it's time to clean out your ears and begin to hear he that hath an ear. In fact, in Matthew or Mark chapter 10 or 11, Jesus tells her, the disciples ask Jesus, why do you speak to these people in parables? And the reason he says is because they are hard of hearing. Not because they weren't believers, not because they weren't pagans, not be it was because they weren't listening. Can I just tell you one of the greatest things that we could ever do this, this week is turn off the news. Stop listening to that which is distorting reality. Can I just tell you, the reality is that the decline of America, the reality is the incline of the kingdom. See, when the kingdom inclines, the world needs to decline. The reason why God allows things to happen in this world that would cause trouble. I've had it said to, to or the question has been asked several times throughout my ministry. Well, if God loves people, why does he let bad things happen? I'll tell you why he lets bad things happen sometimes, besides the fact that they, people have removed him from everything. Sometimes he allows it to happen in order to let the kingdom of God step in and resurrect it and rebuild it and restore it and give it new life. Can I just tell you, even in the church world, we read it already today, that they would take the religiosity and there'd be a false religion or a false religiosity or spiritualism and they would grab a hold of something here and grab a hold of something there. But it's really they're just chasing myth because they want something that sounds good to their ears. I can't give you something that sounds real good because when you hear the voice of the Lord, it's going to say, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but take up joy, for I have overcome the world. There is something that is stirring if we would just begin to hear it. And listen, you're not going to be able to see this thing before you hear it. You're going to have to hear it first. One of my favorite Old Testament characters is a man by the name of Elijah. Now I know we sang about Elisha. He was the protege of Elijah. And in 1 Kings... I believe it is. Chapter 18. There is a great contest to see who God is. On Mount Carmel. And I think the reason why I liked Elijah was he was a little bit cutting edge. And there was a little bit of sarcasm in him. And if you're around me very long, you'll see that I have a little bit of that, little, little, little bit of that in me as well. But there's this contest. And Elisha has just about had it with the prophets of Baal. And so he says, okay, we're going to have a contest. And this contest is going to be between the true God and your God. And he said, we're going to set up these altars. And when you set these altars up, you pray to your God and I'll pray to my God. And whichever one answers by fire, that's going to be the true God. And so these prophets of Baal, which were many, began to build this altar and set it up and began to put the sacrifice on it. 
and they began to dance and sing and shout and chant and do all their kinds of things, and nothing is happening. And Elijah says, hey, you might want to yell a little louder. Your God can't hear you. He might be taking a nap. And that infuriated the prophets. So they did. They went crazy. They did more and more. They began to cut themselves. They began to do all kinds of things that the prophets of Baal would do. And finally, after a while, Elijah had enough. And he said, okay, you've had your chance. Now, servants, go and get a bunch of water and soak my altar. And don't just soak the altar. Actually, take around it a ditch and pour water until that's all full. And then Elisha gets to the ground and he just says, Lord, show me that you're God. Fire comes down, consumes the water, consumes the sacrifice, and he's obviously declared the winner. And Elijah stands up and he says, go take care of all the prophets. And not one of them were left standing. And, and a great victory was had. But I want to focus in on the next, the next verse in that passage. The Bible says this. Elijah turns to his servant. And he said, you better go to Ahab. Because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It hadn't rained in years. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Fire had just come out of the sky. There hasn't been any rain. It's been in a drought. It's been dry. It's been miserable. But Elijah says, I'm hearing something right now. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And so the servant goes and tells Ahab, and Ahab goes up into the mountain and begins to pray. And he begins to pray, and nothing happens. And he sends his servant seven times. And until the seventh time, the servant doesn't see anything. But then on the seventh time, the number of perfection, the number where God completes things, the servant looks out in the distance, and he sees a dot in the sky. And he looks and he starts measuring the house big it is. And he comes back to Elijah. And he says, Elijah, I don't know what I'm seeing. All I see is the cloud just about the size of a man's hand. And Elisha gets up and he says, we have got to run. Because the rain is getting ready to pour. He heard it first. He saw the dot second. He activated himself third, and he began to run. And the Bible says that the power of God overwhelmed Elijah, and he outran the horses of Ahab. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Do you hear the sound? I've been hearing some sounds happen over the last couple of months. There has been a rumbling of the spirit just under the surface of this church. Can I tell you, I know it was an act of judgment when God sent the flood back in the days of Noah. But the Bible says, so as in the days of Noah will the Son of God return. 
I don't think it's just talking about the return from heaven to get us and take us there. But I believe there is another flood that's getting ready to happen. There's another deluge of his spirit that's getting ready to happen. There is a moving of the kingdom of God. There is a shaking in the kingdom of God. God is getting ready to open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out the latter rain and the latter rain and the former rains together. But in that flood, the Bible says it didn't just come from the sky to the earth, but that the earth opened up in the depths of the water. Can I just tell you there is a scripture in John chapter 7 that said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Can I tell you that the flood that's getting ready to happen isn't just God raining down, but it's God releasing forth. That there's something that's on the inside of you. There's something that's on the inside of me. There's something in the heart of this church that God is shaking and moving. And we're starting to hear the tectonic planes begin to shake. And, the, and we're starting to feel the earthquake just a little bit. I hear the sound of some movement. I hear the sound of some bones that are rattling. I hear the armies of God being resurrected. I hear all those kinds of things. And dare I say, I want to be a part of it when the power of God begins to explode. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Has your ears gotten so deaf, deafened by the noise around you? Have you sat on an airplane tarmac and listened to the engine so that you can't hear anything else? Can I tell you, in the natural, there's all kinds of things that can cause natural hearing loss. Some of it is hereditary. It's in the teens, if you will. And a lot of times, when an elder becomes hard of hearing, it's passed down hereditarily to the child or the younger. Sometimes, in the spirit, we have some hereditary hearing loss. I'm not talking about paying for the sins or the price of a prior generation. But some of our churches in the world have slipped, thank you, have slipped into this thing. I even wore a short sleeve shirt trying to help me today. <laughs> some churches have slipped into this mindset of figuring it out on their own and setting up just the right program and just the right method in order to get people in the seats and in order to find somehow to, to grow a church to be able to pat themselves on the back and say we're doing the king's work when in all actuality they're just drawing the crowd and there's blank faces in that sanctuary and they may be going through the motions but just like Paul told Timothy, they are going through the motions but they have denied the power of what they're really talking about. Do I dare say that some of us 
haven't had no upbringing in the presence of God. You didn't know what it was like to feel the anointed power of God. You didn't know what it was like to hear a mother or a father weep and wail in a living room on a chair or taking you to a prayer room. Could it be that you were raised in that atmosphere, but somewhere along the line you were hurt or you were mistreated and you began to dry up a little bit and now you can't quite hear what God is getting ready to tell you. Do I dare say to you, you may be a first generation believer, you may have had no example, but God is getting ready to stick his fingers in your ears like he did to the deaf man in the book of Matthew. And he's getting ready. Let your ears be open. And he's going to begin to speak to you. And some of you first generation believers are going to get ready to step into an anointing that you never dreamed was possible. Because in every generation, God always makes a way for that generation to escape the previous generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just because mom and dad did it doesn't mean that you and I have to do it. Just because a previous generation didn't teach us how to hear the word of God doesn't mean you and I can't hear the word of God. The other way that we naturally lose hearing is from an accident. Or a concussion. Or something that jars us. Can I tell you that some of us haven't heard the spirit. Because we've been too wrapped up in our hurts. Listen, don't, don't, mis don't mistake me here. Don't misunderstand. Hurts are very real. Church hurt is real. Family hurt is real. Rejection is real. Depression is real. All of those things are real. But they're not true. I need to say that again. Somebody's got to grab this. Hurts and wounds are real. Depression is real. All family struggles are real, but they are not truth. Take your realness and connect it to truth. And when Jesus touches that which is real, it becomes true. And the wound gets bound up. And the hurt gets scared over and protected. And the power of God begins to work in the family. And the things which caused you to stumble and fall all of a sudden become something that strengthens and encourages you. Can I help you? I want to comment it today. I'm just Here's the thing. Well, Pastor, how do I hear what God is saying? Here's what your ear does. See, my ear doesn't know what you're saying when I'm listening to you. It doesn't. And even if I just read your lips, it's not because I... Here, here's how I know what you're saying to me. My brain is analyzing the sounds. If you're waiting for God to stick his head out of a cloud, and James Earl Jones come down, my son. 
It's not going to happen that way. But there are all kinds of sounds in the spirit world. Can I tell you, the cry of the beggar is a sound of the kingdom. The wailing of that which is addicted to something is the sound of the kingdom. That which is hurt and in pain and in agony as they cry out, it's the sound of the kingdom. That worship and praise that we were a part of a few minutes ago, it's the sound of the kingdom. There are, is a sound that's coming. Oh. It's a sound that's already here. Oh. God's already speaking. Oh. He's already talking. It's not whether or not you're hearing it. It's whether or not you're understanding it. Oh. Because when you understand it, then you will realize what he's saying. Could I tell you what he's saying? When you hear those that are hurting cry out, he's saying this. I have come that they might have liberty. I have come that they might have freedom. The voice of God is trying to tell somebody today, no matter what you're going through, I have already paid the price. I have already experienced what you're experiencing. Listen, you don't have to worry about the sentence from God. Just start analyzing the sounds of God. So how do you analyze the sound of God? This is the only way that you can analyze the sound of God. As you lean on this, as you read this, as you hear this, as you look at this, all of a sudden the sounds begin to make sense and God begins to make sense and we begin to hear the word of the Lord. I don't even know what the will of God is. Have you read this? Because there's a couple of things in here. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Hey, listen. It's plain. I, you may not have even heard the sound of register what I said. I gave you a description of the last days, and the word of the Lord said this. Stay away from people like that. Come on. That's not pastor. That's Bible. That's not me. That's God. Well, I can't hear him. Here's what he's saying to you. Get away from people that are all consumed with themselves. Separate yourselves unto God. Crawl back into the embrace of the master. Get to a place where you can only be with him because that which is not godly will pull you down. Am I saying that we're not supposed to care about those that are? No, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you're listening to that more than you're listening to him, you're going to struggle. And you're going to fight. Can I tell you what I believe is getting ready to happen in this house, in this church, is God is already speaking, but we're going to start understanding. And when we walk into our neighborhood grocery store, we're going to hear some noise. And as we hear the noise, we're not going to think, oh, it's just the bratty kid three aisles over screaming bloody murder. What we're going to think is, hmm, 
That's the sound of the kingdom. What can I do and what can I say to be an example of the kingdom? Let me search that noise out and see what I can do. Can I just tell you there's going to be people walking into office complexes and into warehouses and they're going to hear some noises and the noises that they always thought were just work noises are going to register with your spirit and say, oh, no, 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 no. These are not the noises of an absolute day. These are the noises of the kingdom of God. What can I do? Because I'm absorbed in the word of God. And I am equating and analyzing the scripture with the sound. Can I just tell you, we are living in a day and an age Can I just tell you this way? I think the biggest talker ever is God. I think he gets to talking and he doesn't sound. Here's the reason why I believe that. Because if he's not talking to me, he's talking to you. And if he's not, and he has the capability of talking to all of us at the same time. I know some of you ladies think you can do that. <laughs> but even in what has become known as the 400 years of silence, if you look at the Old Testament prophecy, God says, I think it's in the book of Amos, there's coming a time when they will not hear, even though I'm speaking. That 400 years of silence between the Testaments, historically, we say, well, nobody heard the word of God, or God wasn't speaking in those words. No, 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 God was talking. People just weren't listening. hearing today. Surrender, submission, sight, sound. What are you hearing today? Are you hearing the pressures of the economy? Or are you realizing that that sound is saying the pressures of that economy or so you would rely on my economy. Are you hearing the words of stress about the upcoming school year? Or are you hearing the words of God saying, I love my children. I'm going to take care of them. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't have to research, we don't have to make decisions, but what I'm saying is, what are you hearing? Because there's sounds all around. Are you hearing brokenness? Are you hearing, I, I don't want to be gross, but have ever, anybody ever heard a, a, a leg break or an arm break? Have you ever heard it? You can't differentiate between a leg being broken and the bones being restored. Come on. 
unless you analyze the sound. And some of us have been hearing the breaking, but we haven't been hearing it as restoration. Can I tell you the bones of Ezekiel, as they began to be preached to, the Bible says they heard bone meet bone, and there was a rattling that took place. We sang about it already today. There was a sound. Listen, the breaking of the bone sounds very similar to the bone being put back together. But if you're hearing just the sound and not analyzing, you're not recognizing what God is doing. Because in the midst of your brokenness, God may be restoring something that needed to be replaced. And the sound is similar, but the effects are different. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Could be something that's fearful. Could be something that's judgmental. But when I analyze it by the word of God, I recognize that the latter and the former rain coming together is not in judgment, but it is in blessing and it is an anointing. What are you hearing today? I'm coming to an end here. He that hath an ear, let him hear. That's a redundant statement. Because we were created by God. He knows we have ears. It was in his plan. Let's me know that there's a distinction between the actual instrument and the understanding. I'm going to say something here that I hope really helps somebody here today. What are you hearing? Do you know that God created us in such a way that that cochlear gland or organ that's on the inside of the ear. You've heard of the cochlear transplant or implant. That's what's trying, that's what's trying, that machine is trying to fix. Is on the very inside of the ear. It's called a cochlear organ. Can I tell you that inside of that organ is not only that which lets us dissect and decipher sounds, but it is the thing that gives us balance. Our equilibrium comes from our ears. Unlike comments that says it's between our ears. Our equilibrium doesn't come from that. Our equilibrium comes from our ears. It is the moving of that which is on the inside of either side of our body. It's the reason why our ear is not in the front of our face or in the back of our head. Because our ear registers sound, and the sound and that which is in there, that stuff that moves around, gives us equilibrium. So when we begin to get sick, when you begin to get an ear infection, a lot of times that throws your equilibrium off because it's part of the organ that equalizes and balances you out. Can I just tell somebody today the reason why your life is out of balance is because you've been listening to the wrong voices. 
You've been listening to the wrong people. You've been listening to the wrong sounds. If you'll adjust yourself today and begin to listen to that which thus saith the Lord and begin to listen to the right thing, your balance will come back into uh, being and you will become a more balanced individual. Why do I say that? I say that because there's all kinds of voices in the world. There's the voice of the enemy that's trying to say, Pastor's just nuts. He's just crazy. You're, you're, you're sitting in, in, in the sound of, and you're hearing from a crazy man that's up there shouting and yelling. Let me just tell you, this is not my personality. This is my anointing. This is not who I normally am. This is me according to the scriptures that through the foolishness of preaching, some might be saved. This isn't my normal way of operation. I don't go through the house like this and talk to my wife like this. But when I get in the presence of God and I get under the anointing of the word of the Lord, something comes over me and I've got to release that power and that anointing so that somebody can receive it. So if you're sitting there today and that voice is telling you you came to a crazy house, well, maybe you did, but we're just crazy for Jesus. We just may not care what the world is happening around us because we know that we are of a kingdom principle, that we are kingdom kids, that we are those that are walking hand in hand. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done. There's voices out there that will say, just give up. You have messed up so many times. You're worthless. And could I tell you that sometimes it comes from people that are close to you. Ask Job. His friends came to talk. You're nothing. Why don't you just curse God and die? You've tripped and fallen so many times, you'll never make it living for God. You're never going to be good enough for God. Can I just tell you what you need to do when, that, when you hear that, that voice, whether it's coming from somebody that you love, that you think is your friend or family member, can I tell you what you need to do? You just need to turn back and excuse my language and tell them to just shut up. Zip your lip. Because you have no idea who my daddy is. Yes, I may have tripped. I may have fallen. I may have messed up. But my God has still loved me. And I may not work it all out every time. And I may try and fall flat on my face. But the Bible says, remember this thing that I talked about? When you start hearing the sounds, you're going to hear the sound of the enemy laughing at you when you're on your face. You're going to hear the ridicule and the, and the, 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 the making fun of it and all the stuff while you're laying on the ground. But there's a passage in Scripture you need to grab a hold of today that says this. Rejoice not against me, O my enemies, for when I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall, I shall arise. Some of you have been on a roller coaster of living for God in the last several months and maybe even years. You're into it one time and the next day you're flat on your face. Listen, the only way you become a failure is if you stay down. But when you get up, you get up with the power and the anointing. Can I, 
I just gotta tell you, I've never been the biggest person. I'm barely six foot, I'm not even probably six feet anymore. At one time I was six feet. Barely. And as I played the game of hockey, I didn't grow to six feet probably until I was in high school and I had already quit hockey. But there was something that would happen when we were kids. We would have our game and at the end of the game, the older kids would have a game after us. And if they didn't have enough players to play, they would come into our locker room and they'd ask who wanted to play with the big guys. And my wings, I was a centerman at the time, and my two wings, yeah, we'll play. And so we get out there, and there was a game that we were playing, and we got in, and the coach, I don't know if he was just being crazy with us or what, but he had us start. And so I get up, and if you don't know the game of hockey, it starts with a puck drop in the middle of the ice with two people on either side. And so I get up there, I'm probably 5'5", five, 5'4", five, 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 something like that. And I look, and I raise my head, and I'm looking at the waistline of the kid across the <laughs> I'm thinking in my brains, what in the world did I get into? But then the game started. And as we began to play, us fifth graders playing against the seventh graders, we realized something. The seventh graders were cheap showers. And so that big kid, as I was skating into the area, the, the area of, the, of our end, our offensive zone, as I came across the blue line, he decided to try to bury me into the boards. Now you have to remember, when we were playing as kids, until you got to sixth grade, you couldn't check. You could only touch. But we were not playing fifth grade rules. We were playing seventh grade rules. And this guy took a run at me. And it made me so mad. And at that point in time, I mean, he flattened me. I was seeing stars. I didn't know what hit me. I was, and while I was laying on the ice, slowly getting up, I was thinking, and I stayed after to do this. <laughs> But then something got me ticked. And I got up. And the next time down the ice, I made him look so foolish. Come on. Come on. I went around him and I deked him out and he fell flat on his back and I went in and scored. <laughs> and even his own teammates were cheering me. <laughs> I said all of that to say this. It doesn't matter how many times you go down. Come on. It matters how many times you get up. Yes. And, no matter, and also it doesn't matter how many times you get up. It's how you get up. Some of you need to get up with a little bit of holy anger in you. And say, devil, you ain't doing that again to me. I'll mess with you. I'll mess with your kingdom. I'll walk into the worst place that you can imagine, and I will declare the kingdom of God and the light of glory. And as I do so, it's going to put you flat on your back. And can I tell you, as you do that, there are going to be some people that even don't believe in God that will start cheering you on, that will start supporting you. How do I know this? I know this because the psalmist said, you're going to prepare a table before me in the presence. 
what's getting served at the Mary Supper of the Land, I hope. <laughs> what are you hearing? And how is your balance? Can I just tell you, we are living in a day and an age where we have to find our balance. Because the world doesn't need the up and down. They're looking for something solid. They're looking for that which in the good times is strong and in the bad times is stronger. But don't walk away or condemn because it's not something that you can do. It's only something that you can hear. I invite you to stand today. Can I just be honest with some of you? Some of you can quote songs better than you can quote scripture. I don't say that condemning. I say that as a challenge. Now I love songs, I love music. But do you know that some of the songs that we sing may not even be biblically based? They sound good, they feel good, and there may be a positive message. But we don't understand what the real message sometimes is. We sing the song, he's a good, good father. And he is a good, good father. But a good, good father disciplines from time to time. Just because he, he's good doesn't mean he's going to make you happy all the time. What are you hearing? What's echoing in your spirit? What's the sound? that you're hearing in your life. Do you hear the cry of your prodigal? Do you hear the victory chants of the angelic host? Do you hear the sound of a church on the move for God? Come on. Woo! Or are you settling for the sound of a church that has settled just to be? How do we live eternally? How do we live today like we're already in heaven? I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Woo! It's closer now than it's ever been. Yeah. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Woo! And suddenly yes! there came a sound from heaven yes! as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them glowing tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each one. And they all began to speak.
speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I just tell you that Peter went on to say, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke. On the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Listen, my friend. We are hearing the sound of the kingdom of God. There's something that is stirring. There is something that is happening. What are you hearing today? Yes! My Lord. Here's what I want us to do. Whether you're a guest or not, if you're a guest, you can do what you want to do, but you're at home, you're with us, you're in family, you're part of us. Listen, these kids don't even know what they are doing right now. But can I just tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says, suffer the little children to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, that means we don't always know what's going on around us, but we're willing to just let it go to him. I say, I'm going to do it anyhow because I hear you calling me. I hear you ministering to me. I hear you challenging me. I hear you making some noise, God. So here's what I would like us to do. We're getting ready to start singing in just a minute. Would you make your way out of your seat? Yes, yes. 